Faith in a Fresh Five podcast. Welcome to another edition. I'm Rohati, coming at you from Treaty 7 lands in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. In this edition, I invite my friend, illustrator, artist, husband, dad, Riley Rosmo. Riley is a professional illustrator. He's basically the only dude I know who makes a living from his art. Everyone else I know, they are committed to their art, but they're grinding. And Riley's one of the few I know who has managed to earn a full-time wage through his passion. In this edition, I'm gonna split it into two parts. The first half, which is this one, will talk a little bit about the process of an artist and the start of Riley's career. So if you are yourself any kind of artist, in particular an illustrator or a visual artist, this edition is going to be something you will resonate with. You'll pick up little pieces here and there that will enter into your artistic world. If you are a nerd for nerd things like superheroes and comic books, then this is also something up your alley. Otherwise, you're going to enjoy hearing how another illustrator or rather another artist approaches their craft and hopefully find some inspiration along the way. This leads into the second part, which will be in the next edition, the next podcast, where we go deeper and chat a little bit about his exploration around faith. So without further ado, let's jump in. This was recorded in the summer of 2019 as part of a house conversation series with Cypher Church, part one with Riley Rosmo. So you know you're kind of famous if you have your own Wikipedia page. So I was doing some, I was doing some research on this and because uh, I was like, who is this guy? Yeah, who, who is, is this guy? guy? I don't even know him. Let me Google him. And uh, he has his own, it's an old, old picture. But uh, it's got some up to date because I was trying to, we're going to start the journey kind of, I was looking up the movie stuff. Yeah. So that's kind of like the end, right? Because I was like, when's this movie going to come out? So all this stuff here, by the way, is, is stuff that you've done. I'm pretty sure I haven't bought any of it. I'm probably the worst friend. I've bought a couple to complete the sets. But we have um, this book here. And uh, this is the hardcover. This one's called Cowboy Ninja Viking, uh, which is one of these comics that I said, oh, I finally get one of the comics that you wrote. Because there's sort of a culture in comics. I mostly drew it. Yeah, drew. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh But I said, it's like, (laughs) I, I got it, though. It's like I could follow it. Okay. And there were some that... Was that it too I much can't follow. Inside baseball? Inside baseball? I don't get and it. Maybe you just didn't read enough comics growing up. I, exactly. You don't, I didn't, know, you don't know how? It, and like there how is a how like to... And, like, and I couldn't pick it up for yeah. uh, like stuff like uh, Green Wake or Drum Heller, which, by the way, has nothing to do with Drum Heller, but you did go to Drum Heller for research purposes, did you not? I did. Yeah. And it's I really shaped strange, everything. Very strange place. And this comic is very strange, It doesn't too. seem like a strange, but there's like a, an abandoned mine there where there's all these coal deposits that are buried that when there's lightning strikes, it ignites fires under the ground. Like there's fires burning under Drumheller right now. So when it rains, it steams because there's these giant underground fires. 
Uh, wh- how many ghosts are in those mines? You know what? Uh, I spent, I didn't spend that long there, but a week and a bit. They have no ghost stories. What? Like almost no ghost stories. Just like asking around town and stuff that people were like, mm, uh-uh. That's a setup. The whole town is ghosts. Uh, <laughs> they are ghosts. Yeah. They're not actually people. They are. Yeah. Yeah. So like Drum Heller, which was visually appealing. Did you ink this as well? I did everything. Well, the colors. I, I, I co-wrote it and drew it and colored it. Is that right? If I say ink, that means color. No. Did you color it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did. But but I, I couldn't follow it. But and I tried. Like I committed. It's a big ask though, because there's lots of like metaphysical ideas in there and stuff. So there's, there's big ideas in there, and they're not super clear. <laughs> let's go back that to was, that one. Was for me. That was oh. So tell us about that. What do you mean? This, you had a passion to create what in this book um it was sort of like a an exploration of sort of my my views on exploring views on the, on the world and the material versus world versus the non-material world and different spiritual paths and wisdom traditions um and then i did have uh my friend alex link helped me he brought something else to it he he co-wrote it with me and uh I'm not like a real funny guy. I don't do jokes really. And Alex is real jokey. So his contribution to it, I feel like was he tied the pieces together, but he also added a lot more sort of whimsy to it than I would have. It would have been a lot more serious and rock and roll if it was just me. Go ahead and pass that around. Um, Back to Cowboy Ninja Viking. Most of the stuff is not PG. Oh yeah. If you do have a problem with like heavy gore and stuff like that, um, is, is there that in Drumheller? There's some don't very, look at there's proof. There's crazy stuff in there. Um, which we'll talk about. Which, crazy. I don't know if you have... I only have one all-ages comic. Two all-ages comics, and I don't think you have them. This one is all-ages? No, maybe not. No. So Cowboy Ninja Viking, like I said, I could follow. Uh, what's the synopsis of this? Um, Do you want to read the back? Yeah, I'll read the back. <laughs> Tasked with creating a counterintelligence unit, Dr. Sebastian Kislane turned to those long thought useless to society, patients with multiple personality disorders. Now all but one of these triplets has gone rogue. It's up to the Cowboy Ninja Viking to find and stop this band of ridiculously disturbed but highly effective assassins. So each, all the characters in it all have three personalities that are like... Um, uh, sni- Cowboy Ninja Viking? So Cowboy Ninja Viking, it's like the government combined the things, the three things it thought was the most like deadly to make the perfect assassin so a ninja a cowboy and a viking but he fights like uh samurai javelin thrower uh submarine captain did you just put a bunch of things in a hat and that's what aj did yes. <laughs> yeah are you serious <laughs> <laughs> well the the genesis of this is um the guy that i my co-creator AJ that I did it with he wanted to do a book with me and he asked me what I was into and I gave him a list of things and, and so he, he just jammed them all together he just put them all no. together oh, <laughs> <laughs> which is cool that's where that's like the because starting point because I've, I've had a conversation about you about this book and you said I don't know if you you didn't use the words I don't like it but it was like this is not the piece de resistance of your this, work no I, I don't think that's that's totally fair it's a uh, like it's, it was the hardest job that I had to do, and oh, it was yeah. Why is that? It was like a, 
because there were so many moving pieces and it's it was the first thing I did that was funny and it's it's funny I think it, like it's it's a funny comic it's kind of a it's action comedy and both those things are really intimidating to me so it was really hard because like jokes in a comic you have to you have to do the acting and like you have to do comedic timing and you have to the character's cadence and stuff has to be right and the whole thing was really a lot of work and each character is four characters so you're not figuring out one character design you're figuring out four character designs because there's the host character so like the main character duncan there's duncan as a normal person and then his viking personality his ninja personality and his cowboy personality so every character was like that so it was like it was, it was a lot a lot of work yeah it's, it's the one that i struggled parts. with most that like when i look back on it hmm. i'm there's the most stuff i want to redo but would like, you... like I could do it, I could do all this better. But I experimented a lot about it on it, and like I probably learned the most from it. Hmm. So, so in terms of of your artistic development, but the process was hard. Like it was a really hard process. But you benefited, you would say. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I bring that one up because that one is also the most popular in terms of its of the potential. Stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. Of because this one so has. If you don't know, movies or comics or rather can be optioned into shows or movies. And this one was. Uh, tell us about that. It was. Or it is. It is. It is. Because I wikied this and it Chris, says it is. It's still, in, it's still in production. Chris Pratt's attached to it. And there's a producer and a director and a script. And Chris Pratt was going to do it in between Guardians 2 and 3. Yeah. And uh, actually, th this you was the joke. You probably know more than me. This was the joke because we... <laughs> you do, seriously. We were going to, we were going to uh, like, okay, okay, come on, Cowboy Ninja Viking, but Chris Pratt might be too busy. So I was all in favor of boycotting Jurassic World because if Jurassic World flopped, then he would have no choice have to but to do Cowboy Ninja yeah. Viking. And then I think I went to Jurassic World with you because we're like, oh, we're going to do it anyway. And it wound up making a billion dollars at the box office or something. And they made two or three since then. But, uh, but yeah, this one could be a movie. But it's apparently so complex <laughs> with four different characters in each one that they're... Well, who knows? I mean, studio stuff is... Studio stuff. I, I don't know. I don't know either. Studio stuff. So there's some other things. We're just going through your work here. So let, let's talk about, I mean, your work. You didn't just... Or did you grow up one day and said, I'm going to be an illustrator? No. I didn't really think that was a, a thing. Like Until To be a commercial when? artist, I didn't think that was a thing. Um, I was visiting a friend. I was going to be, I don't know what I was going to be. I was working in a kitchen and I was going to go to school to be a chef or sort of like that was my, I was going to apply. There's a chef at my uncle's restaurant that was like, they said they'd sponsor me to go to chef school. And I was visiting a friend and I'll, and that went to ACAD and they said, well, you should come on a tour of the school. And I went on a tour and they have a program for people who didn't finish high school. And then I was like, oh, I could go to college and I don't have to get a grade 12 social studies because that's yeah. the only class I missed. Yeah, just because my teacher failed me with a 49. Oh, yeah. that should be automatic pass. Teaching me a lesson. <laughs> Nell, who's laughing. Yeah, That's how it happened. So I went out of the square yeah. of the school and they yeah. said, if you turn in a portfolio, you can go to school. For, and so you said to yourself, what? And so I said to myself, I didn't think I could go to university, but it looks really fun to go to school here. But why illustration? Or was that the choice? Well, I just drew all the time. I just drew because so, yeah, so you as were... bored and as anxious and drawing makes me feel better. So that was always then a part, even before you knew drawing was the thing. 
Yeah. You were it's, just it's doing a thing it. that gives me peace. Like uh-huh. it's a thing that makes me feel comfortable. So at what point, so school was the catalyst then for you to look at this as something serious? Well, I guess so. I, cause then I started thinking about commercial art and, um, I didn't even know it was a thing. I just had no idea. I just didn't, I didn't know any commercial artists. I love comics, but I'd never been to a comic convention. Mm. I don't know. So you're just going to push, uh, uh, designs for some corporation and that was going to be the gig. I don't know what it was going to be. Yeah. I have no idea. So, I, I kind of don't know how it happened. But, so the, you the part, the part up until I started doing samples and sending them to Marvel and DC and yeah, dark horse and stuff. Yeah. What was the callus to that? Because that's a shift to actually put yourself out there and, and put your art to something. Well, I started school and I started taking design classes and illustration classes and sculpture classes and uh, philosophy classes and English classes and all these things and met more people that were making money doing it. And then I was like, I got to think how I'm going to make money at this. Somehow I got from buying comics every month to I'm going to make these comics. I don't really, I don't really remember exactly how that happened. But you were throwing mud against the wall, submitting, 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 weren't you? Yeah, but I don't know what the catalyst was. I keep like I think back on it. I don't know what the moment in time was that I was like, I'm going to start sending samples out. But so, once that happened, yeah. I was at Kinko's all the time, copying at stuff. At Kinko's, because it was it was Some before there was no Kinko's internet is. thing. There was yeah. no internet submissions or anything. So you'd have to go to Kinko's. You have to draw the pages, go to Kinko's, and there's all this. Um, the companies had this these steps, like hoops you had to jump through, that if your pages weren't presented a particular way, they wouldn't even look at them. Mm. And I hate that stuff. I hate formatting. I hate anything that's really like by the book. And so I, I had to do it every, I'd go every month, I'd draw five or six pages every month and I'd go to Kinko's and I'd copy them and I'd send them to six publishers and everybody wouldn't answer. And then I'd do that again. And eventually one person would answer and they'd give me a form letter and they would say, thank you very much for your interest. Yeah. The yeah. end. And then yeah. they became, thank you very much for your interest. Uh, you need to work on all this stuff. Yeah. There was that jump and between this. drawing and design, too, where drawing was more, who knows what, and then in design, they, they taught you to do some of that. Yeah, that's true. They pushed you to do some of that. They encouraged you to do some Yeah, so, like, once I, so there's two things really happening on my own time. I was making comics, but when I was at school, the design program, um, forced me to be, forced my hand to be, hmm. uh, I don't have like tidy, organized. Yeah, more regimented, treat it more as a yeah. job. Yeah. Yeah. It, you started in drawing. Yeah, I started in the drawing program and then moved to the illustration program. So oh. the drawing program was um, really conceptual and really too, too open for me. I needed a box to push against. And in draw- the drawing program, it was just make anything. Your drawings can be um, uh, you eat chicken for two months and save all the juice and then do a drawing with the chicken juice. Like that's at the bottom of the carton. Like it can be anything. There was no, you didn't actually have to draw anything. You could take potatoes and make potato sculptures. And that, that was a drawing class. And that's really cool. But my, I needed, I needed something, I needed edges to push, mm. push against. Like mm-hmm. I needed a, a framework to work within. But before that, there was there's a thing that I think was very helpful is that I did a lot of commercial work where I just had to do whatever they said. Like I did instructions for a baby carrier yeah, and um, all kinds of ad stuff, 
storyboards, motion graphics stuff. Motion graphics before was a thing. One of the things I always really like, really like happy about in in my resume is I worked for ESPN because I worked for a local studio that did work for ESPN. Yeah. Um. So what what was that? You but did all that stuff was important, like little yeah. bits between yeah, segments. Yeah. Okay. Um. All that stuff like was really important in building up like a work habits and discipline. Yeah. Okay. And you just had to find the answer right away. Like you just had to, pr- I had to produce all the time. Because discipline as an artist, as many as you know, I mean, any, anybody can hobby their way through anything, but in, in terms of producing, uh, for job or producing for your living, it becomes just that a job Yeah. and you need to hit deadlines and you need to do a certain amount and you, yeah. Like on Cowboy Ninja Viking, there's some pages that are inspired, but there's some of it that I just like, I have to get through the day and I have to do this thing. Yeah. Which one? <laughs> In the second half, there's green and orange pages that are cool. And those are the ones you like. Those are the ones other, I like. That's, were there that's some the section like, of the book I like. Yeah, I like that issue. Just make a big black panel and put some, that's selling out, wouldn't it? I do lots of big black panels. Yeah. Um, that's the best. So the, let's talk about proof. The best because is when there's tons of negative space. Anyways. Let's talk about proof. So proof is over here, and proof is was kind of the big break, right? That yeah. really pushed you into into the comic book world, and um, I can follow it because it's basically X Files. Tell us about X Files. Yeah, X Files. Mulder's Sasquatch. Sasquatch. Mulder's Sasquatch. Grab one and and pass around. So this one is also this is probably your longest series, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. And so you did that for how long? Uh, three years. Three years on proof, um, and then we then that gave you gave you your break, and and then you really committed to the process. Was it in proof where you're like, I'm finally making a living at this? Uh uh-uh. No. Okay. No, no. I made that for years. I had like I had three or four jobs. Three or four jobs. Like I do that. Three years of proof. At the same time, so yeah. I did proof, yeah. and I had had commercial work, so and I worked at the comic store. When did it? When did the switch flip? A comic is called you one you couldn't one you couldn't follow. What, Green called, Wake called Rebel Blood. No. Rebel Blood. That's when I decided to stop having other jobs. That was a short one, wasn't it? Yeah. So that one was cool. So let's fast forward. Rebel Blood finally, um, and then you start producing other things, and you're getting paid, and then eventually the bigger uh, publishing houses are paying attention. I'm not really sure how that happens either. I feel like you make enough work, and then people, there's enough like editors and artists that it, you resonate with that somebody says hey do you want to draw some of this wolverine comic because you were talking about wolverine i drew a bit of a like a off-brand wolverine it's about wolverine's son and i got the job because they there's these scenes that these wolverine's son is taking drugs and so it has to be all like drug-fueled visions and i just drew those pages they're like, you, your stuff is a little wild for the normal book, but can you yeah. draw all this crazy stuff? All, all the vision stuff in it. Yeah. Oh, and so okay. I, I drew those pages and I turned them in and the editor was like, I can you color these too? And I think it was because they didn't know, like nobody else do. was going to know what to do with them. Yeah, that, yeah. So is it a particular style that you have that is attractive? I know, of course, every artist has their own style, but. Well, I don't like talking about my. Oh, is, I, it, is that like, a trade secret? No, I don't like talking about my work like that because oh, okay. like, there was yeah. a review that this 
<laughs> but I thought you never okay, I'm read say, your reviews. I'm gonna say the self-deprecating thing. Yeah, is there was a review a bit ago that came out that was a good review, and it was like an eight out of ten, and the guy's like, Rossmo's work is really good as long as you don't look directly at it, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so like through a mirror, you. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> that, that doesn't make any sense though. That guy probably thinks he's quite the. It's very specific. It's very it's very expressive, and I think it's to me it's very designed. But that's not the first person that's called you messy. No. Oh, Messi. But he didn't. So he met Messi. I don't Good know thing he Robin's meant. here. Oh, sorry. Uh, uh, our American bird. Yeah. The American. The um, Messi is what they would call it. Some people would. Because I, to to be frank, I've never se- I've seen one image that you've made that's not, and I'll, I'll use the term, but I wouldn't use it. That's not messy. And Expressive. and it's because somebody Expressive. somebody asked you to do one, <laughs> not <Right>. messy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So um, I've never heard of this one, but it, it's you fast forward into one of the larger comic book publishers, uh, the Batted Man, um, Caped Crusader Through the Night. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of him, but it's uh, apparently the biggest comic in the world. Yeah. And so that opens, that's, that's quite, well, that's a couple years now, right? Well, it's important before that is... Oh, okay. Hellblazer. Constantine, Constantine the Hellblazer. This is like a dream project for me. Yeah. He's a magician. It's about magic and ghosts. And... Like, I would read that as someone who doesn't read comics and, and Constantine's just an exorcist. And you call him a magician. Kind of, yeah. 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 So we should use that as the segue now. Um, but he's like, he's sort of an anti-hero. He's... Yeah. He's not a superhero, really, but it's in the superhero world. So this, that was my dream job, anyways, and that led to Batman somehow. I didn't think it was going to lead into anything. It's like uh, you just committed to your process, and I'll, there's a lot in your story of I was just doing my thing, and it just happened. I don't even know how, and there I was doing Batman. Just happened. Well, I drew eight hours a day for ten years. Ten years. Yeah. So that's part of the <laughs> process. <laughs> and there, uh, there's definitely. When you say that you're drawing eight hours a day for ten years, was that all paid, or were you drawing? No, no, no. You're no, drawing no. for fun for eight hours. How did you? Well, some it just depends on like some of it. I just did. Just I have no. I, this is, sounds it's kind of silly, but I have no. I feel like I have no choice. Like I did it when I didn't get paid a lot, and I, you know, artists in general, you don't get paid a lot to be an artist anyways. But when I was doing it for next to nothing. I still did it. I did it day in, day out because I just, I I have to. I love it. I have to. It's not even just love. I just made, I just had to. I don't know. That's not a very good answer, but it's, it's something that just had to happen. Any of you artists out there know exactly what Riley is talking about. If you have a passion for something, you know what it means to be in a space, a headspace, where you can't do anything else other than create you get caught with a word or you get caught with an idea you you pluck it out of thin air and you just have to make that invisible thing real that's part of the process and many of us have been throwing mud against the wall for years upon years and those who have committed to their craft only get better and at some point you encounter your big break Assuming that the big break is even a thing you're looking for, there are many artists out there that I know, they would call themselves a hobby artist, but in reality, I think you're just 
cultivating a piece of your own self, a piece of your own soul, a cultivation of good holistic health when you let yourself indulge and practice rhythms of artistic expression. That's one of the values that we have at Cypher Church, the church that I pastor. We realize that when it comes to things such as worship, it doesn't come in one shape and size. I know that in the church, we often say that worship can come in all the different artistic expressions, but ultimately what we really practice 52 weeks a year is singing songs. Well, some people sing the songs, the professional band does, but everyone else sort of just mumbles along. Is there more to our faith than just hymns and contemporary rock pop? I would think there is, and one of the ways that we practice that as a community in Cypher Church, and one thing that maybe you want to try in your church context, or if you're not in a church context, context know that you are open to try different ways to connect spiritually through worship, through art. We've tried all sorts of different expressions in practice during our gathering times, our version of services with Cypher Church, and they've ranged all the way to literally the Cypher, so if you're in the hip-hop world, you know what the Cypher is, where everyone brings a piece of themselves, their gift, whether it be movement, dance, Lyrics, rappers will be in the fold along with the full band, dancers, movement, all those things come together and it's wild and it's loud and it's fun. And then we do everything in between all the way to the opposite end of the spectrum where we sit quietly and we wrestle around with a theme or an idea or a word and together come out and present some pieces of spoken word. We've tried various artistic expressions, including paint, drawing. We've tried listening exercises and music. We've tried movement. We've tried empathy through movement. These are all different expressions as a way for us to acknowledge that we all express and worship in different ways, and we should start elevating and practicing different rhythms as a community to figure out what fits in the moment and what other gifts we can celebrate. So I encourage you to try maybe not all the different things we've done at Cypher Church, but just one thing, one thing out of those 52 weeks of the year that's a little bit different, but ultimately, why would we keep things the same? After all, as the saying goes, where you settle, there you die. This was part one of an interview with Riley Rosmo on the Faith in the Fresh Vibe podcast. I am Rohati. Stay tuned for part two, which happens right now as we jump into more of a deeper conversation surrounding the exploration of faith. 